I'm Elena Salinas, and this is the Women in Tech Show, a show where women in tech talk about technology and career development. Today's guest is Kiki Wolfkill, studio head at Halo Transmedia in 343 Industries. Kiki loves storytelling since she was young, and we had an interesting conversation on the process of developing a storyline for Halo, one of the most successful video games of all time. Kiki also explained how the Halo universe has expanded to other platforms, such as novels, comic books, toys, and the challenges of maintaining a consistent story and deciding what to explore in each platform. We also talked about the involvement of fans in Halo and how that affects the video gaming industry. Video games have become more sophisticated and one of the reasons why Halo is so popular is because of its rich storyline. So it was very interesting to learn how this is tied with the other areas involved in video game development. If you like the show, please rate it on iTunes share it with your friends or send me a tweet at Tech Women Show. I'm here today at 343 Industries with Kiki Wolfkill, studio head at Halo Transmedia. Kiki, welcome to the Women in Tech Show. Thank you. It's a nice pleasure to be here. So uh, you're one of the leaders in storytelling here at 343 Industries. 343 Industries oversees the development of Halo, which is a very popular video game. Walk me through the process of developing a storyline for such a popular game like Halo. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because, um, you know, we we tell stories with Halo across all sorts of media. So in the video game and books, in uh, sort of broader entertainment, through our toys, through, you know, we kind of look at all different ways of, of telling story. And for us, it really starts with building out a universe. And, you know, we're coming up on our 15 year anniversary. And so it's been um, yes, 15 years of, of universe building. Um, but more specifically to your question about developing story for a video game, it's uh, it's definitely probably a slightly more complex process for us because when we build a story in any medium, we have to take into consideration all the other stories that we're telling and how it fits into Halo canon. And, yeah. you know, it's a, it's a fictional history that's very well documented and very detailed. And, and our game experiences and book experiences and all of these stories take place in different places and times in the universe. So sort of managing all that complexity um, is, is part of the process and, and unique to, um, I think, the universe-driven games of which Halo is, um, is definitely a, a big one. But where we really start is obviously with where we left off in the last game. Um, and, you know, we tend to have a pretty good idea of a story arc across a series of games, yeah. right? There's a story that we want to unfold. Um, when we started developing Halo 4, we had a pretty good idea of where we wanted the Chief to end up at the end of Halo 4 and then going into the next game and even potentially beyond that. And while the details may change and we may shift direction a lot, we always start off with, with an arc, 
right? And with someone like Master Chief, he's such an iconic hero. You know, we look at his story as, as that hero's journey and what is his life path and how does that express itself in the games or in different mediums. Um, so that's at the highest level. But when you start to get into details of the game story, it's affected by a lot of different pieces. There's what's the story we, we want to tell? Where do we want Master Chief to end up? What new characters do we want to introduce? What worlds do we want to explore? So much of this is gameplay driven. Um, what are new game mechanics we want to add and what's the best way to bring them to life in terms of environment and character and story? And so all of those pieces really come together in parallel with each other. There's a, a narrative design team uh, who focuses very much on both the game story and on how that story is experienced by the player. There's the game design team, which focuses on both the broader mechanics. Uh, with Halo 5 Guardians, we introduced um, a strong co-op mechanic. And so that became a pillar of the game, which the story needed to be able to accommodate. How do you play as one of these eight characters and experience the story and understand the same things about it, while also feeling like you're having a differentiated experience? And uh, and then we have uh, the franchise team led by Frank O'Connor, who who really looks at how does all of this fit into canon and how does it make sense in the universe. Okay, make sure there are no conflicts in the stories and things yeah. like that. Yeah, it really is, you know, what could have happened in this timeline um, if they're going to go to this place, yeah. is that possible? Are there other characters there um, from another piece of fiction that we have to be aware of? Oh, nice, so yeah. you connect them. I wanted to also talk about that. Um, yeah, and, and so there are times where you're like, no, we can't go there because we need them to have their own story, or times where it's like, wow, that could be really interesting yeah. if they were to meet up and, 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 um, and commingle the stories. So what are some of the challenges with keeping track of all these stories? Like, is there a... Well, the, one of the biggest challenges of yeah. keeping track of all the stories is they all change a lot until they're done, yeah. right? And so, um, you know, a story as you're working through a three-year game development cycle can change a lot. And in the meantime, you may have built a toy around a character yeah. or, or built some side stories, and, and those may not be as relevant anymore. Um, unless we're very careful, right? Yeah. And that's where where sort of constant communication and, and constant alignment is really important. We do a, a monthly story meeting where we talk about all the different stories and all the different executions. Yeah. Um, that way we can highlight big changes and understand the impact on something else, and then we can measure whether or not it's worth making that change. Does that involve an, an interaction with the engineering teams? Yeah, I think the... I mean, the engineering teams, the, the way the, um, the game team is structured is holistic teams. So it's whole areas that are cross-discipline. So for instance, multiplayer will have its own holistic team that is engineers and designers and uh, character animators and audio. And, and so uh, it's a very, uh, very sort of integrated team that way. And, you know, the, the balance of, of game design and engineering in terms of what you can execute and what you're capable of doing and story is all very tight, right? You would add on to that audio, which is such an important part of storytelling yeah. um, and tone and setting emotion and making a world come to life and art, yeah. who's the visual side of that. It's a very complex balance and it does require constant communication across those teams. Oh, okay. So it's not really like uh, an assembly line, right? 
because what what I've seen, for example, Pixar, the their process of developing movies, to me it looks like a plain assembly line. Somebody puts the hair to the character, somebody adds a specific part from the storyboard. Is it more like a mixture, some of that, and then? Yeah, it's definitely um, uh, very nonlinear. And, you know, I think there was a big movement probably 15 years ago of why can't we be more like movies? Why can't we be more production efficient? But the reality is when you're when you're designing a game experience, so much of it is daily iteration. And when fun is is the core requirement of the game, yeah. it requires constant testing and trying and changing and fixing and making it better, or making it different. And, and being able to go through those rapid iterations really effectively is what gets you to a, a, an experience that is super well-rounded from a story and a game design and an audio yeah. and all of that. All those pieces have to come together, yeah. and it's much more organic than, say, movie production yeah. um, because it does require that constant player feedback and oh, because the technology changes so quickly. Right, we're yes. always pushing the the bounds of technology, and so you're always trying to do more than, frankly, you really can, mm-hmm. and um, and that means it's really hard to define every asset and exactly how it will look and exactly how it needs to play out yeah. from the get go, and then just execute on it. You kind of need to keep iterating and and making it better and evaluate the technology improvements, like you mentioned. Yes, yes, it's always and. Um, to the to the point of you're always trying to do more than you can. It means you're making a lot of big prioritization decisions across all those categories all the time. Mm, okay, and we touched a little bit about this earlier about different media. This is the what people are calling transmedia storytelling, right? So how does this storyline differ within platforms? Like, are are there particular aspects that are better to be talked about in in a novel because there, there's a halo novel there's also comic books and a tv series or something like that yeah we have a we have a tv series in development yeah, yeah i mean we really look at it from the perspective first of what stories do we want to tell for yeah. the universe and then what's the best way to tell it you know a video game is an amazing way to immerse yourself in a story and to experience a world and feel like you're part of a different universe because it's all about inhabiting that space. And you learn a lot about who you are as a character by the interactions that happen around you. And it's always this careful balance of imbuing that player character with story and personality while at the same time giving the player a sense that they are part of that character and inhabiting that character as well. And so the storytelling that you do in a game is very much driven by what you're doing moment to moment in the game and that that is, you know, those missions are exciting and the places that you're going to drive you forward probably not the ideal place for deep character development oh. which is which is where something like uh, you know we've done a few digital series um, we've done a, an anime anthology it's really where you can spend the time to develop a character and you can slow the pace down where you need to to really uh, learn a character and learn some character dynamics and maybe connect to those characters in a little bit of a different way whereas the novels do a, an amazing job for us of really exploring a lot of detail and history and concepts. And so they all sort of fill a different niche. And we we have a really diverse audience and fan base um, that gravitate to all or parts of, of the things that we do. But they all feel 
whether they're coming in through a book or they're coming in through a comic or through a a game or a toy, that they're coming into our universe and they feel like they're part of that universe. And that's what we really strive for. So do you see transmedia as a way of getting new people on board with a video game? Well, it definitely, you know, we definitely strive to have people connect with our universe. And sometimes coming in through uh, something you might watch on your TV is is easier than immediately coming in and picking up a controller and jumping into, you know, a, a game that has been around for a little while. Yeah. And so um, we definitely aim to provide experiences that let people come into the universe in different ways and maybe in the way that they're initially most comfortable with. And and the hope definitely is that it's a universe they, they want to continue to be part of in, in all the different executions. Do you constantly keep in mind when developing a storyline specifically for the video game to not overwhelm new players or is that not a concern because there's also these other media like novels and anime? Yeah, we definitely try and design these stories in such a way that people don't feel like they have to have read this or seen that in order to understand what's going on. Or been born 15 years ago. Yes, or been born 15 years ago, like I was. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Not. Yeah. Um, That said, it's definitely a challenge for us in in having a story that is, is, you know, progressed over 15 years to make it feel like it's something that somebody new can jump into. And we, we, we have a lot of conversations around each game or each story experience that we release to really talk about, you know, how do we make it inviting for somebody new? And also you, you want to make sure your players have been throughout the decade that they don't stop being in the universe. So yeah, it's, it's an interesting balance. I think. It is an interesting balance. And it's, it's, there are times when they compete against each other, although I think we've gotten to a, a pretty good um, understanding of how to make sure that, you know, we we are honoring our core and that they feel respected and their knowledge of the universe yeah. is respected, but also being able to provide a, an introductory experience to new, to new players or viewers. But, you know, I think it's a lot of sort of storied franchises um, struggle with that, right? How do you always continue to satisfy your core and your torchbearers and, and make sure that you're, you're always feeding them while also being able to inject new, new audience. Yes, definitely. And you helped make Halo 4, right? Yes. And this was the first Halo that was developed at 343 Industries, right? After? Yes. Oh, okay. We uh, built up a new team for that. Um, yeah, we, um, so Bungie had been the previous developer and we were still working with them on finishing up, uh, Halo Reach. And, uh, I started building the team, I think in probably early 2009 or maybe late 2008 for Halo 4. And how do you take on a game, you know, that's developed, very successful game developed from Bungie Mm -hmm. and make it into one of the most successful games it was it was a um it was a very humbling experience Mm -hmm. and we definitely approached it sort of very deliberately and um i was always a huge halo fan um and so i came into the role i was executive producer on halo 4 i came into the role so grateful to have the chance to sort of 
take what felt like this this really sort of precious jewel and and yeah. and figure out how do we nurture it and how do we carry it forward you know how do we do the right thing by halo and make sure we have a, a really core understanding and strong muscle memory around the things that make halo halo yeah. while at the same time being able to move it forward um, because it was Halo 4, and also how do we take the strength of the expertise that we had hired and all of their diversity of, of backgrounds and thoughts mm -hmm. and inject that into this new Halo experience as well. And, you know, the responsibility to make sure that we were respectful to the Halo fans was, was a burden that we all felt proud to carry. Um, like it was a responsibility that felt so important and powerful to us yeah. as as lovers of the franchise already um, that that guided a lot of our our development. Did you play uh, the first Halo when it came out or? Oh yeah, I played I played the entirety of the first Halo in the in the I think we got it a day early. Oh okay. Um, yeah, and so yeah, I played I played through the whole game. Um, so you've always been in, into video games, or? Yes, I, I have always played video games. Oh. Um, for a long time, I didn't realize you could actually have a career in video games. Oh. Um, but yeah, I've always played. Um, I'm a huge fan. I, uh, I play all sorts of different games, but I'm definitely drawn to and most passionate about story-driven games. So also, when, when I was reading about Halo and its development and what the fans think about it, one of the things that, that struck me is that they they really like the multiplayer and the AI developments and also the ability of Halo to have players create their own maps. And they can also remix stories. Can you talk a little bit about this remixing stories, how it works and what, yeah. what sort of things can the fans do? I mean, we, I think one of the things that's so unique and powerful about Halo as a franchise is we have an incredible community. And one of our pillars as a studio is creativity. And, and by that, we mean not just our own ability to deliver creative, but also in how we include our community in the creative process and how they become part of not just participating in the universe, but also helping to build it. We just, uh, we just last week released, uh, Halo 5 Forge on PC on Win 10, which is basically a PC, a free PC version of Forge mode in Halo 5, which is the mode where you can build any map or any mode and PC, frankly, just mouse and keyboard makes it easier than it's, than it's, um, than it's been on console. But anything you create on PC, you can play on, on the console. And it's been incredibly powerful, and we've always had a, a very strong, passionate community of forgers, but relatively small, although the amount of content they create that anyone can play is Wow, <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, but it's really fun because they come up with modes and methods of playing the game that, that we would never think of. And some really? of them are so funny and so clever, um, or just so good. And then there's another side of forging, which is just map creation. And some people will use it just to make cool imagery, or they will, and yeah. I don't endorse this, they will mimic other um, IPs and things that are happening in other parts of entertainment. But it's a super powerful tool that for us just sort of stimulates the community, whether you just enjoy watching these videos that people make or whether you enjoy playing yeah. um, and having sort of hundreds of new modes that people can go out and play um, that our community has created is 
um, is really fun for us, but also just really gratifying. Do you see crowdsourcing as the future of video games part of it? Why? Or to, to what extent? Yeah, I think I think modding in in uh, multiplayer has has always been a uh, a popular and important part of first person shooters. Frankly, yeah. um, if you go back to Quake or any number of the sort of original FPSs out there, modding and and created community created content is just a big part of of the ecosystem. So for us. It's always it's always important for us to figure out how to support better and better. And then, you know, on the other side is is stories. We there's a lot of fan fiction out there, and for us, that's just a great indicator that people are invested in in our characters and our worlds, and we love that, right? Yeah. We're not precious about you know our story is the only story that can be out there. We love the we love the content ecosystem. And even fans went to the extent, like I, I saw it a few days ago, to create a, an experience also for PC from the ground up, which I thought was pretty awesome because it's just fans really invested in the Halo universe and they're, they're creating their own graphics and everything. Yeah. So, I mean, I think when you have communities invested in and creating yeah. content in your universe, that's, that can only be great. For Improve the, yeah. the universe. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. So let's talk a little bit about virtual reality. It's starting to become more and more popular. Do you see this affecting a storyline for a video game? How do you see this um, playing a role? Because as we talked about technology improvements. I th yeah, I think it's it's super intriguing right now to see all of the all of the I say experimentation, which isn't giving it enough credit. All of the great work happening out there yeah. around AR and VR and storytelling in the VR space and game experiences in the VR space. And I think the rate of sort of innovation in in the VR space is is incredible. And I love that there are so many people in it because it just means that it's going to get faster and faster. Yeah. From a storytelling perspective, mm -hmm. I'm super intrigued and love the level of immersion that VR can create. And yeah. it invests you in a story in a different way, right? It's definitely, um, it's interesting because I kind of look at storytelling in VR as somewhere in between traditional linear um, filmmaking and um, video game storytelling because in traditional filmmaking, you control everything. You control exactly what the viewer sees. Yes. Um, and so that very auteur-driven um, experience, I think, creates some magical experiences but is, is super different from video game storytelling where the player can go do whatever they want. They can walk around wherever they want. And so there's a sense of player agency and you have to design a story that allows for a player to do anything. Whereas in VR, you have this really interesting um, sort of middle ground where the viewer can look at anything, but you still have a certain amount of control of what they're seeing and how you want the story to play out. But the cues and the, and the ways that you sort of get that viewer to look at the things that you want mm -hmm. um, are different. And so it's this really intriguing um, set of storytelling mechanics that, that is different. And the other, I, I would say the other thing that's, that's really interesting is you do get really connected to these stories. You experience it differently in VR. You are part of the story in VR as opposed to sitting and watching it happen. Oh. 
and and that draws a really different connection to the story than I've experienced playing in a video game or watching um, a movie or TV show. And so I think there's a ton of opportunity there. And I think the the opportunity for emotional connection is is much bigger in VR than maybe we've seen in some other places. Gameplay is interesting because yeah. there's just that big sort of uh, chasm to cross of how do you make sure people don't feel sick and um, how do you how do you help them with with sort of spatial awareness and you know get to longer experiences. How does that happen? The making sure somebody doesn't feel sick. Yeah, that's a tough one because even in traditional video games, right? There are some people who are just really prone to motion sickness. Yeah. Um, I started. We had a VP once who's not in the organization anymore, okay. so I'm not telling on anyone. Who yeah. um, was very prone to motion sickness, which was always entertaining in executive reviews. Um, um, yeah, with VR, you know, we we at Halo are sort of lightly exploring some things, I think, like a lot of people are, because we're, we're letting the heavy investors um, spend the time there. Um, uh, but as such, we sort of look at a lot of different VR experiences, and it's a tough one. Yeah. I think it's um, you're going to find that there are games that are very specific for certain types of people and, and what their tolerances are. Or even with uh, non-VR experiences, yeah. First-person shooters aren't for everyone. <laughs> They're not. I actually, uh, as part of this interview, I uh, asked a friend if I could play Halo. So I started playing it. It was awesome. But then after an hour and a half, there was a. I reached this point where I'm I'm flying. Yeah. Yeah. And I still. Uh, it took me 30 minutes to start walking to get the hang of it. Yes. But then flying. Yes, that's that, a whole other set of. It was another set. And after an hour and a half, you know, I reached that point and I, I just started feeling a little yeah. sick. But now you're a pro, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Yeah, it was pretty cool. As you pointed out before, and I've read uh, some other interviews you've done, storytelling has always been part of your life and something you've been passionate about. So I was just curious if you have a early memory of storytelling or or some project that... Yeah. that Yeah, I mean, it's funny because I think most of my career, um, I've been more of a, a visual storyteller. Um, but when I was younger, I, I um, like really young, like a kid, um, I would express myself primarily through writing and drawing. So I ended up more towards the, the visual side. But um, in second grade, I won the Young Authors Conference for this super compelling 10-page book about oh. Lindsay the Rabbit. <laughs> oh, nice. Is that available online? No? <laughs> I illustrated it myself. Oh, cool. Um, but yeah, I think I, I, I've always been an avid reader. I love television. I love movies. I love video games. Like I, I love entertainment and that ability to sort of reach someone and, yeah. and spin a good yarn and, and have someone feel something and, and make a connection. Yeah. Um, what kind of things? I'm not sure. Lindsay the Rabbit oh. was a super compelling. <laughs> I have no idea why it was named Lindsay um, character, but I've definitely always been drawn to storytelling. What are some of the books that you like reading back then? The type of genre or? Oh yeah. So I 
I probably read The Hobbit ten times. Oh, okay. Yes, that's I a good book. Loved yeah, I read Hobbit. it like three times. Um, coincidentally, though, this had nothing to do with Lindsay the Rabbit. Watership Down was a huge favorite of mine when oh, I was okay. when I was younger. Yeah. I definitely always was drawn to sort of epic worlds and yeah. adventures. Yeah. And what about uh, TV shows and movies? Is there anything? Or just pretty much everything. I watch a lot, and I um, I have a pretty wide variety of tastes. So I will watch the shows that everyone talks about as being fantastic. Narcos season two just started. Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad. Um, Game of Thrones. I'd read all the books. Love the show. Um, but I'll also watch some pretty crap TV as well. Admittedly. <laughs> so l last question that I want to ask. There's this notion of a great story and a terrible gameplay versus great gameplay and terrible story. What are your thoughts on this? Um, if you're making a video game, yeah. you gotta go great gameplay. Oh, like at the okay. end of the day, I, yeah. so to me, the imperative is to do both well. Yes. But if you're going to choose, it has to be great gameplay. Oh, okay. Right? It has to be fun or go watch a movie. Or make a good story, but a a movie or an animation if you don't have the gameplay. Yeah, first order of business with a video game is just great gameplay. That's great. Well, Kiki, thank you so much for yeah. coming on the show. It's so nice to be here. Yeah, thank it was you. a pleasure talking to you. Thank you.